So uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that there will be no show next week because I'm going to be in California. Oh, oh, good. So I have the week yeah. off. I can work. Yeah, and I know, Jimmy, when you're in California for months at a time filming TV shows, you always record, so good for you, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna, it's different because I know my schedule every day. You're going to be kind of jamming around and doing stuff. Yeah, we're going in. I don't know how much I've talked about that trip on, on here, but we're going into L.A. Uh, over this weekend. We're going to be there for a couple of days filming with different people. Then we're going to move up uh, to kind of the Bay Area, film some stuff up there. And then the trip will end with uh, the Silicon Conference, Adam Savage's Comic-Con thing up there. So we're going to spend the weekend at that and give a talk and do some panels and stuff like that. So it's going to be a very, very busy week with a lot of travel within it. Um, What's crazy is, so the team, my team, has been working super hard on all of this stuff, preparing for this trip. We're, We're building projects that we're driving across country and uh, preparing things for these other videos that we're shooting there. And it's it's really different to have a good team of people who you can trust with doing stuff so that you don't have to plan a trip like this and do all of the work. So everybody's working hard, but I don't know anything about where we're staying <laughs> or how we're getting from place to place, what kind of car we're going to have. I don't know any of that because the team has taken care of it all, which is really, really cool. So I've still got enough of stuff on my plate to think through and to plan and all that, but it's really nice that I, I don't Is have the to whole do that team going? It. Um, most of us, not everybody, uh, just, there's not need for everybody to go. We were all going to fly the, those of us that are going. And then it turned out that this thing we're building that we're going to be taking, uh, for the second half of the trip is not going to be done in time enough to ship. So Josh canceled his ticket out there. He's going to rent a van drive this thing across the country, meet us, and then return the van and fly back with us. So That sounds awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I tried to figure out a way for that not to happen. <laughs> but we, we're, uh, we're up against a bunch of different timelines. So The old man in me just hates driving. Oh, yeah. yeah. The worst case I, scenario, you could drive no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were in Chicago a couple of years ago, and Chicago is a four-hour drive from Toledo. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to fly this time. There's this hmm. tiny little airport in Toledo. has a direct flight to Chicago. I flew out there, and I was like, this is, this is the life. I'm living the good life. And then on the way back, the flight got delayed. Then I got delayed again. Then I got delayed again. And the third time, I was like, man, if I was driving, I'd be home already. And then... The flight got canceled, and I had to stay the night. And since you had to the, sleep in a garbage pail, <laughs> well, there was there's a there's a hotel at the at the uh, at the airport, but the airline didn't pay for the hotel because it was an act of God and not the fault of the airline. So it cost me so much more. And ugh. you should have called mm. up Kylie Jenner for a ten minute airplane ride. <laughs> Should have. Looking back, uh, yeah. I should have. Man, why didn't you do that? That's yeah. silly. She's always driving 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there. <laughs> Let me tell you about the time I got stuck in... I probably did. Um, I was flying for work, my previous job. And I was flying to California. We went through Houston, I believe. And we got to Houston and there was like tornadoes and stuff. So they wouldn't let us take off again. 
and we missed the window to when we could take off. And so they gave us a voucher for this hotel that was down the street. Uh, well, I don't know. And so they took a bus of us over there and I get out and we're like waiting in line and all this stuff. And so they give me the room key, tell me the room number. And I'm exhausted at this point. I'm just ready to lay down and go to bed. Not a super nice hotel. Not not a place that I would have chosen, but it was a hotel. So they give me the key. I go to this <laughs> I go to this room and put the key in and it's like it wouldn't open and I had to like mess with it a bunch and like turn the key and it was like not a key card, it was like a key. So I'm like turning the key and Jimmy and the, the handle at the same time and finally it pops open and I reach over to turn on the lights and the lights won't come on. And so then I like swung the door the rest of the way open and all of the furniture in the room is stacked up against the wall right in front of the door. So like, right. you know, you walk into one side of the room and then, so two double beds, TV, chairs, everything, floor to ceiling is stacked up against the wall. And I like, and the lights wouldn't turn on. <laughs> and I kind of peeked in and I'm like, I don't think I want to stay in this room. <laughs> so I close the door and I go back down to the thing and I'm like, I don't want to stay in this room. I don't know what's going on in there, but I don't want to stay in there. And he was like, looked at the number. And then he like looked up at me with like real wide eyes. He was like, oh, uh, yeah, let me let me get you a different room. That's the murder room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so I, uh, I don't know. I'm really glad I didn't stay in that room, though. I probably would have just gone back to the airport and be like, yeah, this chair's fine. I'll stay here. That reminds me. I'll tell you a quick story. So when we first got Airbnb at the house, Taylor was all excited. We used to Airbnb at the house like eight, nine years ago. So she was all excited about Airbnb. And then we were driving. I think we were going to New Orleans for something. I don't know. I think that we were going to New Orleans. I forget. We were driving through the south, and we found ourselves in Atlanta. And she's like, oh, let's Airbnb. And so we were in Buckhead in Atlanta, and she says, oh, there's a great Airbnb. Oh, there's one available. And we find this place in the middle of the night, and as we get out of the car, there's a guy and a girlfriend fighting, and the guy smashes a beer bottle against the wall of this little hotel complex, like minutes, like feet away from where we were. I'm like, oh, that's a good omen. That's not a good omen. And we go up, we find the room, we find the key under some mattress, I mean, underneath a mat, and we go, and I'm like, and now it's like 1 a.m. And I open the door to this apartment and I swing it open and there's someone sleeping on the couch. I go, I, I pull the door closed. I go, there's somebody here. She goes, oh, I know. It's a two bedroom. We're going to use the other. I go, I am not. <laughs> I go, two bedroom. Somebody's in there sleeping on the couch. She's like, yeah, I know. I know. There's an extra. I'm like, I am not staying here. We had this fight right outside the door here. And we went and stayed at like a La Quinta Inn. It's like, what are we saving? $50? I said, I don't want to get yeah. murdered in my sleep. I don't want someone looking at me while I'm sleeping. Hmm. It was like a guy on the couch. I'm like, and like, he didn't even move as if like he probably stays there all the time, knows that that room is rented. Hmm. I was like, no way. And she's yeah, like, oh, no, I thought I told no, you it was, you. It was already somebody here. I'm like, no way. <laughs> See, now you're making me a little bit nervous about this trip because I have nothing to do with where we're staying. So now I'm going to be like, oh, look, we're staying at a YMCA. That's odd. I didn't... Hmm. <laughs> There's, there's like a hundred people in this room. You get to share a cot with a guy named John. <laughs> John will be your cot mate. <laughs> it's like we, all hostel stays in California. Yeah. Years ago, we were all we all went to an event and we got offered usually stay in a hotel and then we got offered to stay at a at, at a house. 
and it was a uh, it was a terrible experience. And ever since then, I have always <laughs> turned down those offers, and I will always pay for a hotel. Absolutely. Oh, that was. Oh, I think I think I know what you guys are talking about. That was that was memorable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, well, what have you guys been up to? What's been going on? Well, I, I, I'm taking advantage of the fact, and I joked about this, and some people have heard me say, I, I'm taking advantage of the fact that Taylor is not here. She's traveling in Europe with a stepdad. And so I am working literally until, like, I run out of gas every night. I, like, work until mm-hmm. it's like, okay, the only next logical thing to do is go to sleep. And I'm doing house projects. I'm working on the porch. I'm working on closing up one of the be- the room walls that we ripped open, insulating a room, just general cleaning up here and there all the while still working on the buddha head which made a cameo appearance in my 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 leather bag video which is my last published video and a lot of people noticed it so i'm moving that along i'm putting a skin on top of the foam sculpture i'm working on it uh with some total boat some cool total boat stuff which we'll i'll talk about a new product that i've never worked on called fairing compound which is like a two-part epoxy but it, it's almost like peanut butter or cream cheese. When you mix it together, you could spread it on a surface and it stays there. It's like it's like a non-toxic Bondo in a way. It's really good stuff. So I'm, I'm experimenting with that. It's the first time I'm using that, so I'm getting to know it. But it's actually really working out really nice. And I came up with some interesting techniques to carve this head. There's some intricate valleys. It's a, it's a full expression of a face. So there's some intricate valleys that I need to sculpt, and I'm having a hard time getting at it with sandpaper. And so... Last night, I, I just picked up the, the vibrating tool, the oscillating tool that cuts like perfectly, sh- the one that can cut directly into something. I picked up the oscillating tool, and I was able to start sculpting with that by dragging it backwards across the surface, just like I do when oh. I drag something across the bandsaw blade backwards. Yeah. I had this really cool discovery last night. So when you drag the vibrating tool across the surface of, probably works with wood, so if you're sculpting an organic shape in wood, you could drag the oscillating tool along the, all the, the peaks hmm. and facets, and it immediately smooths them down. You've got to be careful, though, because then you're just like on a bandsaw. If your impulse is to start again, you've got to be careful. You pick the blade completely up and start again, because if you go to shove it along the surface, you'll immediately dig right into it. Yeah. So the idea – so I put the wide cutter. I, haven't, I, don't, I don't know where the round one is, you know, the round one that goes on the, the vibrating tool. I keep calling it the vibrating tool. What is it called? We, I don't know. We call it a zerp zerp. Yeah. I call it the zhuzh zhuzh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the zhuzh, I put the wide one on. It's like a one, maybe a one and a eight quarter inch. And that's been working good. So I made a little discovery last night. So what I thought was going to be a very cumbersome, difficult sculpt, sanding, cleaning process, I would go on it with the with the zhuzh, and then when I'm done with the zhuzh, just hit it with the palm sander, and it really cleans it up fast. So that was a nice discovery. And just in general, just uh, trying to keep clean. We finally got rain this morning, which is the first time it's rained in months. A lot of the trees and plants are dying around here. It's crazy. There's like a giant tree dying just because it hasn't had enough water, and I don't know what to do. It's like too far away from where I could bring the hose. There's a lot of trees. It's like looks like it's fall already starting around here. If you guys are having that same experience, it's pretty sad. No. It's the We've had a lot of rain. Max. And then somebody said to me last night, I was telling a friend, <clears throat> and he goes, well, how's your water well? And I was like, oh, it's fine. But then it occurred to me, <clears throat> if there's no water everywhere, there's also going to be no water in the aquifer. 
unless it's like spring fed or you know well, I, river fed or something. I hope so. Yeah. So that's I'm a little nervous about that. Hmm. Hmm. But it's like a real legit drought. I, I don't know what people who grow crops could do. It's really difficult. We have a garden and I'm watering the garden, but like I said, on a bigger scale. Yeah. There's a couple of trees in the tree line that are turning brown. It's scary. Hmm. But besides all that, everything else is great. Good. You sound like you've been staying up too late and working. Too <laughs> I, I know. I'm <laughs> clearing, my, clearing my throat. Well, David, what about you? I'm finishing up the, the pizza table today. And that has... Cool. So I think that's going to come out Friday when uh, when this podcast comes out. Uh, and uh, that's, that's that's been fun. They got the... Um, it's got some napkin holders on the side, so it's, I cut out two holes, and then there's a spring uh, pressure-fed napkin dispenser on each side, and then in the middle, it's got a place to put your pizza boxes to stay warm, and I have my tattoo buddy uh, design and inlay for the top, so it's getting finished up today. I learned a couple valuable lessons in there. I've done inlays before, and I've either used natural wood or I bought wood that was pre-dyed this time i dyed my wood and i don't know what the difference is when you dye wood yourself or when you buy wood that's pre-dyed but the wood that i dyed it bled as soon as i put shellac on there especially the the black and it sanded through so yeah i had to do a little touch-ups with a fine brush and it was uh, it was a pain, but it was also really enjoyable because I just put on some music and just painted the, the dye back in there. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how when you buy veneer that's colored. I don't know what they do different to get that dye all the way through. But that it was a good learning experience. What I should have done instead of brushing a finish on there, spray was it. Spray it. Yeah. Yeah. That, I had that same experience. I picked up. The, I think I used a black dye some for some reason or a stain that. <laughs> It was like some some water-based thing, and the finish I put on was streaking it, so I had to spray. So I sprayed a few coats. I wasn't overly concerned about how well I sprayed. I just wanted to lock in that yep. color. Yep. And once I locked that color and I lightly sanded, and then I was able to brush on top of that and build up the brush coats. Yep. So uh, now I know. Now I know for the future. I did. There was a um, there was a few colors in there. One of the colors was that Minwax uh, stain. One of the colors was that powder dye that you mix with the nitrate alcohol, and another one was the, it's like little drops. It's like freaking $30 for a tiny little bottle. Um, and so all three of them did not dye as far deep into the wood as I would have hoped. So, but good luck. Yeah, I mean, that. I guess you couldn't, you couldn't like soak it, the piece in, you know, if you had like a vat of the dye, because then that would saturate too much of the wood but there's got to be a way for them for people to get like a deeper right you know yeah just so, not the outer surface but i don't yeah. but if i would have just sprayed it uh, just a little spray shellac to lock it in that would have saved me all kinds of hassle and we'd be done by now and the video would be out so that yeah. is that uh I, it was basically uh, it started off with uh, the cheapest amazon table that i could find and then converting it getting rid of the plastic and then uh, you just using the metal frame to make this coffee table. So it was a, another one of those transformation projects. And then I think the next thing I'm going to do is something simple and not with 
uh, a whole lot of challenges. I need I, we need a shoe rack, really really bad. Shoes just pile up in our in our entryway, and I need a project where I know I can overly plan and know every step of the way. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, um, just the last two projects is kind of designing on the fly, and they take much longer than I ever expect. And uh, they're fun and they're challenging, but they uh, it also slows down my my video output. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I had a couple things in uh, connected to what both of you said. You were talking about the that tool, the Zerp Zerp, and I, I call it a multi tool. Is that correct? I think that's what it's supposed to be called, okay. or an oscillating tool, or whatever. But. Um, so Megan was over here the other day, we were shooting some stuff and we were talking about, I don't remember what we were talking about. And she said something about a nail drill. You guys familiar with the word nail drill? No. At all? Not in reference to tools. I'm, I'm assuming it's the one that you could nail in and then unscrew. Nope. Totally different. So it is for your fingernails. This is like a thing that they use at like a salon or something. So it's like a tiny little drill. Uh, I, basically, she I, I didn't know what she was talking about, so she showed me one online, and here, I ordered one. <laughs> because I think it's, it's made for your nails, but I actually think that this might be a handy thing for especially people who do props and like small sculpting stuff. It's basically like a tiny Dremel tool. Look at this. Okay. And it's battery-powered. Uh, this one I got has a USB plug thing on it, so I can just plug it into whatever power source. But on the cable, it has it's bi-directional, so it has a direction switch, which is kind of cool. But most Dremels wouldn't have that. And then it also has a little dial on it for uh, some speed ramping. But in the package, it comes with a whole... This thing was $15. It comes with a whole bag of little oh, sanding cool. drum like things. Dremel. Yeah, and a set of metal bits and these are really fine why like the the I, super fine bits not the coarse you know with like stripes and stuff these are really fine and so the point of this thing is for people who get their nails done to scuff the surface of the nail to accept finish or to take finish mm-hmm. off and you have that really thick like hard paint enamel whatever and they use this stuff to drill holes to inset you know, like diamonds or <laughs> rhinestones, whatever you put in nails, I don't know. And then to clean off the nail and to grind the end of the nail and all that stuff. It sounds terrible. It sounds really painful. Not something I ever want to try on my body. But <laughs> it was an interesting little tool because it's, I mean, people who are listening can't see it, but it's about, it's like a fat Sharpie. It's something that you could hold in your hand like a pencil and get into small details. So... Um, I'm actually excited to try this on like a prop or something soon because I, the reason this came up is because we were working on a prop uh, for this week's video. I was making a thermal detonator from Star Wars, and it's got these really tiny little, tiny, tiny little grooves that I needed to sand, and I didn't have anything other than a folded up piece of sandpaper that could get in there, and even that wasn't really enough. Okay. You, you reminded me, you said prop, and I wanted to give props to punish props. Because uh, mm. I, I I'm in the middle of working on this table, and the the 
there's two drawers. They're, they're basically the, the napkin holders. For the knobs, I wanted to 3D print a pizza. And we had just had pizza. And we were getting pizza for the end of this video today. And so I couldn't justify getting another pizza. And so I texted Bill and said, hey, any chance you're going to order pizza within the next 24 hours where you could do the 3D scan and send me the file? And he's like, sure. So he did. And he sent me a scan of a pizza that I 3D printed for the knobs. And uh, he was awesome. Uh, he's cool. totally stopped what he was doing to, to get a pizza and do this 3D scan for me. So... Thank you, Bill. It was it was awesome. Bill is the best. He is the best. I'm going to see Bill in California. I'm oh, looking forward to that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, this is the prop that I was telling you guys about. Look at that. Oh, oh yeah, that's cool. Isn't that is that a cigarette lighter? <laughs> this is that is a 3D print. That's beautiful. Isn't that wild? You can yeah. How'd you get a seas. chrome or nickel plated like that? I guess you'll have to watch oh, the video and find boy. out. Oh boy! Oh. So the goal of this was to take a 3d printed prop that has to be chrome i mean like this object in the movie is chromed and so i wanted to see how close i could get to it you know and like what the process is to go past what i normally do for just painting uh because the the reflective chrome paint will show everything so the reason i brought this up is because you were talking about that stain or lacquer or one of those things being very expensive the paint that i used for this stuff was four ounces for 50 bucks wow it is a lot. It's really cool, and it, you don't need to use very much of it, and I think it is absolutely worth it. Um, is it the but, best chrome paint you've ever used? It, the best one I've ever used, for sure, okay. but I don't know that it's the best one out there. There are some that are more expensive. Um, How do you apply it? I just With an airbrush. Do you have to do a black finish first, and then the... Yes. Then the yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, and it worked great. But the... On the handle for this, or the switch, see those little tiny, you can't even focus on them. Those little things, there's these little dots on the top, and there's, I don't know, 30 of them or something. And it's like dot candy, but really small. Yeah, and those are the things that you have to sand around that I was trying to figure out oh. how to sand around those little details. so that it, Because as soon as you see a 3D printed, like a print line, it breaks the illusion. So I was trying to really get it as far as possible, and I didn't get it as far as I should have taken it. But I, I couldn't see that until I got the paint onto it, you know. So anyway, I, I'm really proud of this thing, and I think it's a good first step towards being able to, to do even better next time. I found that trying to get that finish, the black underneath it should have been airbrushed on as well, because even the best rattle cans still leave a little bit of orange peel, and then that orange peel comes through with the silver on top. So I either should have wet sanded that black or airbrushed it on or something like that. But anyway, I learned a whole lot. And so the video covers making this prop three times with three different levels of effort to see if it's worthwhile. How much How much time do you think you had on that third one in just prepping for the paint? I actually put in, intentionally put in the same amount of time on oh. the version two and version three, just so that it, the, the only real difference was the filler primer type and the paint. And so each one of these, this thing is about the size of a tennis ball for anybody that can't see it. Um, Which is and everybody. I sanded each, well, yeah, not you guys, you can see it, <laughs> not everybody. Um, but it was probably 30, 40 minutes of sanding. Oh, less than I thought. Not not a ton. Okay. Yeah. Not it looks ton. like the drain 
the, the brain drilling ball from Phantasm. If anybody ever saw that horror movie from the 80s. Did you guys ever see Phantasm. the movie Phantasm? Mm-mm. My God, does it? I was a, I was a very young boy. You were already in your late twenties, I think, at that point. Or something. <laughs> Just kidding. If anybody has seen Phantasm, there's a a funeral. It's a haunted funeral parlor. I don't really remember the, but I remember there was a sil- a silver ball that flew around the halls of this funeral parlor. Hmm. And if people didn't know, the ball would immediately fly directly into your forehead and drill a hole and drain the blood out of your brain. Oh. It had these two little prongs that stuck right, in, and it looks exactly like that bowl you're showing. I can't so look believe at, my look parents the, didn't let me watch that when right. I was, you know, like four or five years <laughs> Phantasm. old. Phantasm, brain ball, brain brain sucker. I forget what it's called. Brain what was ball. the name of the magazine that uh, that that did all the like the movie bloody props? Uh, it was like that. Phantasma, Fan, Phantasmagora, or something like that. Fangora, Fangora, Fangora. Is that what it's called? find out ribbon uh, yeah Fang- fangoria yep i had i just thought of another thing to recommend i have two recommendations this week that's cool all right well that's what i've been up to this week is the prop and prepping for the trip um and we kind of had a topic jimmy you want to did <laughs> yeah remember it was your idea oh was it oh the idea of being prepared or underprepared or overprepared for a project and talking about the pros and cons of being prepared <clears throat> or underprepared. Now, there's a couple, there's a, wi- there's a wide variety of topics to discuss inside of that topic. And the one overarching one, I think, for people to realize is when you want to get involved in something new. The example that just came to mind for me was when, when I wanted to get involved in CNC, and I just bought the CNC machine. I was like, ShopBot is something I see at the fairs. They look like sturdy machines. They keep showing up at the fair. Maker Fair is wholesome, and seems like they wouldn't have a bad client at the place. you know. So all these like quick decisions I was like making, it's like, okay, I'll buy a ShopBot. So I bought a ShopBot because they were at Maker Fair, didn't do any research, and it turned out to be good. And I jumped right in, and I had no idea what I was doing. And obviously, it worked out well for me. And I, I still haven't taken full advantage of using a CNC machine the way many people have. And I need to. But the idea of jumping into, say, for instance, starting a new business without doing too much research. Years ago, me and my brother got into making comic books in the 90s only because we were trying to promote this character that we developed. We developed a character called Our Hero, and it was this funny character that was kind of an anti-hero. He was kind of mean and... We knew nothing about comic books, but we made a little splash. This was in the 80s, actually. This is in 88, 89. And we had local guys at the comic book store wanting our autographs. And the guy at the comic book store was like, I can't believe you guys are actually like making a splash. It's unbelievable. But we just jumped right in. I didn't know how to draw pictures at the time of perfect human anatomy. So I would photograph each one of the cells of the images that we would think of, we'd draw out a script and we'd photograph those scenarios and then I would just line trace over those drawings on a, on a light box. Can I yes, interrupt sir. you really quickly? Yeah. I love you. I'm so glad that I've known you long <laughs> enough that I'm still figuring out things that I never yeah. knew about you. Crazy. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> All right, proceed. So I should put up cells of... Uh, we. We jumped into, my brother came up with this idea, and I started coming up with the artwork and the imagery, 
and I was at SVA in my last second and last second and second to last year selling figurines of this character that we came up with called our hero. And it was pretty interesting that we jumped right in. We knew nothing about it. And like I said, the guy at the comic book store gave us some guidance. This guy, Glenn, was giving us some guidance. We weren't comic book guys. I'm still not a comic book guy, obviously. I could appreciate the art. I love graphic novels and you know the, the, that, the way that has sprung up over the last 30 years. But I knew nothing about it. But we jumped right in and we figured it out. We knew nothing about T-shirt business and we jumped in and we, we, we did less... We did a less of a splash in the t-shirt business. I knew nothing about YouTube and I jumped right in. I did a little bit of research. I'm like, oh, wow. I remember looking, if you guys remember Chucky 2009, he's been shadow banned for some reason. He's off YouTube now. I mean, I know the reason, but Chucky 2009 is off. But when Chucky was on, I remember seeing his YouTube videos and going, wow, he's got 30,000 subscribers. That's unbelievable. I had no subscribers. I had just started the channel I was like, could you imagine having 30,000 subscribers? That's unbelievable. This kid must have started when he was 10 years old because he was 18 at the time. And so the idea of just jumping right in and not doing too much research could be advantageous. I feel like when I first got started in woodworking and I didn't know anything, I feel like I was better at problem solving clamping issues. Because I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't know anything about clamps, and that's one of the biggest struggles. Is when you, you first get started, it's like, how do I hold these two pieces together? And now that I know how to clamp things, and I have you know various ways I could do it because this is what I've seen, this is what I read, this is what I've done. I don't, I'm not as creative when it comes to that problem solving because I know too much. I've set parameters for myself. So going in not yeah. knowing allows you to be a little bit more creative. Yeah, that, that's, that's, we had this pre-conversation in our pre-interview. The idea of knowing too much can limit your creativity, can limit your coming in at a complete fresh look. So that's why a lot of times, partly because I'm lazy, partly because I give myself too many things to do, I don't really jump into something until the moment I have to. A lot of and, and it's come back to bite me today, which is why the conversation came up. Um, there's a component to the Buddha head, which I thought I could just buy on Amazon and have it here in a couple of days and then send it to the client next week. The component isn't available for six to eight weeks. And everywhere I'm looking, I can't find the component. I finally found one that will be available at the end of September. It's a, it's a, a Chinese dragon, a, a parade dragon. And maybe this comes out Friday and somebody knows where I can get a four-meter parade dragon sent to me before next Wednesday. That would be fantastic. <laughs> but, so the, and it's funny because I said to the client, I'm like, oh yeah, we just need to get the dragon. And he goes, he goes, oh yeah, that's like four weeks out, right? I'm like, I, I don't know. I said, I don't know. But apparently when I texted Taylor in Europe, I'm like, we need to get the dragon. She's like, oh yeah, they're like two months out. There was a loop somewhere in the conversation between the three of us and I didn't read it. Because I don't read my emails because I'm an idiot. So everybody knew that this thing, if I'd have known, I would have ordered this thing when we first started the conversation. But it, somehow it just glossed over me. And Taylor sent me the original eBay link. I didn't read that little tiny line written in the faintest of font that said ships in October, you know, or whenever it would have been shipping earlier in time in space continuum if I had realized that when we first had this conversation two months ago. Anyway, long story short. Sometimes doing research 
will inhibit your creativity. Sometimes doing research will get you products on time. <laughs> it all depends on what it is. But. Yeah, I think the context is the big thing there. I mean, you know, right now we are, as we're preparing for this California trip, we are in both of those things where to have stuff to take with us, we had to plan um, we had to prep, we had to order stuff ahead of time, and we're still up against the, now we're having to also problem solve on the fly. We're having to figure out in the next few days, well, how do we do the things that we didn't plan for, or how do we deal with the fact that we couldn't get this material, or we were waiting on someone so to ship this thing. So even the best planning and even the best intention, you know, you still have to be flexible enough at the end. But I also think, like for me personally, a lot of times going into making videos, I will keep something. I over plan in a lot of cases and I overthink and I waste too much time trying to figure it out before I do anything. So I do that. But then sometimes I actually enjoyed having a little idea and that's it. And then just jumping in and making the video. Now from a viewer's perspective, I have heard <laughs> from uh, viewers that that can be really frustrating for them to watch because they're like, well, why didn't you just Google it? Why didn't you just look up how other people do it? Why didn't you just... And that's like, that's not the fun part for me. The fun part is what you were talking about, David, is it's like, I don't know better. So I'm going to be able to figure it out. I enjoy that kind of using what is around sometimes. And You know what it is? It's, it's basically knowing what the end result's supposed to look like and figuring out how to get there. It's like not reading instructions, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's like looking at the picture on the box and building it. I know what a cookie company looks like because I've seen them. How do you build a cookie company? I don't know. I never made cookies before. Oh, I mean, I have, but I never made try to make cookies that you could sell. What does that look like? So there's an exciting element of like seeing the end result and just trying to figure out how to get to that end result on your own with your own limited experience, but with your experience that is not in that category and what can that experience infused into something new and that new path that you're you're venturing down regardless whether it's fixing up a karmagia whether it's building a pizza table or whether it's building a buddha head how do you get there you know what the end result is supposed to look like and your own particular winding path you know you're probably going to spend more money than you need to you're definitely going to spend more time than you should and you're definitely going to make some mistakes but in that process, you'll discover a whole bunch of new things. Looking at the picture on the box is the title of the show. So uh, R2-D2 was an interesting uh, project in regard to this because I, I don't know I've said this on here before, but I, well, well before I ever started working on it, I asked somebody at a Maker Faire one time, uh, the R2 group was there, and I was like, hey, man, give me the lowdown. How much and how long? You know, just give me an idea. And he was like, well, it's two to five years, two to $20,000. And that stuck with me because, like, that's crazy. Not only that you would spend $20,000 on R2-D2, but the fact that there's that many different ways to do it, to get to the exact same result. I mean, not exact same, but, you know, pretty much, like you said, it looks like it on the outside. It looks like it on the box. They all look like R2-D2. They do different things on the inside, and stuff, but you can get to that so many different ways. And so you, if you want, you can, you know, make every single bit of it out of aluminum and you can, 
you can re-engineer every single thing on the inside of it to hold all of the motors and hold all of the lights, and you can build your own circuit boards. But when it comes down to it, at the end of it, it looks like R2-D2 on the outside. So it doesn't really matter what you did on the inside. That's just whether you want to reinvent the wheel and do all that, or if you want to look at what other people have done and pick and choose. And the cool thing about it as a project is that you can pick and choose, well, I want a wooden frame and aluminum skins or a plastic skin and plastic frame or, you know, any combination of those things. And you can put it together as you need it, as works for you and your budget and your time and your whatever. And then it ends up, they'll look like R2-D2. Plus, what if you did all that research to figure out everything that you needed to do before you started? You probably wouldn't start because you're like, oh, that's overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dive in head first. That's that's a... I was going to say, a, a big part of me not doing research is exactly that. I don't want to be overwhelmed and slow down. And I do my typical thing where I was like, well, I know this has to happen, so let me just work on the very next thing that has to happen. And as I'm doing it, things begin to reveal themselves that either I should have paid closer attention to, like the lead time for Silk Dragon, or the availability of this or that, or glue, or drying times. But the idea of let me just focus on what I know I can handle right now. Let me just focus on, and while, and then the next step is marinating in my brain. The next step is my subconscious is developing the the uh, uh, the, the guts or developing the the courage to go with whatever that next step is. I'm working on a restoration. I started working on a restoration a year ago of a power hammer. There's one little element that I haven't confronted because I don't really know how to do it. And I'm sure it's easy. You guys do it all day long. They change the Babbitt. And I've just avoided it. And that is the holdup on this whole restoration. And I just have to get somebody that knows better. Andrew will do it with me. <clears throat> Andrew Alexander. But it's. I realized the other day, I'm like, that is the one thing that's keeping me from going forward. And I'll do everything except for that one thing until I finally have no options to con- to avoid it and then I confront it. It's just a, it's 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 the way I do things. It's a little bit of a bad habit, but it's it's my own compartmentalization. But it is how I'm able to get a lot done because I'm able to work around all these things that I don't know anything about or I'm afraid to learn about or whatever it is. And right up until that moment, like I'm insulating this room and I knew there was a couple things I needed to do. I'm not going to show it because I don't want to hear every expert in the world how I did everything wrong. But I'm insulating a room, and there's a certain aspects of how to insulate an old wooden house. And I went back and forth with Derek, and Derek educated me and also did some online research, Taylor did some research. So I'm jumping into it now. But those few little unknowns kept me from doing it. But I have to do it because the winter is going to be here faster than we know it. So I jumped in, and I confronted the few things that I didn't know. I was going to get all creative and like make up my own insulation, but that wouldn't have worked. <laughs> it would not have worked. It cost you a lot of money. Well, I mean, it's like, you know, it, it really depends on, and for me, I want to speak for myself, it really depends on the end goal. And if it needs to look like the thing on the box, then yes, you know, look up the. I look up the process that other people have used to get there. Like for the, for example, this, uh, this, thermal detonator paint thing I looked at other people's videos to figure out what they use what process they went and the goal was to see if I could do it not if I could come up with a new way to do it if I could actually pull it off 
Whereas other things, I don't care how other people do it. It's not the point. The point is, can I come up with something, you know? And I struggle with this on the Karmigia a little bit because it is such an overwhelming amount of work, which, by the way, I have not even seen the Karmigia in like over a month. I have not been out there. <laughs> it's just kind oh of a drag. Um, but it's such an overwhelming amount of work, and it's all been done by thousands and thousands of people in the past on this exact vehicle. You know, it's not like I, I'm not going to come up with some new thing that's like a groundbreaking way to fix whatever or redo whatever. But at the same time, just spending my time Googling, how do I do this? Okay, now go do that thing. Google this. How do I go do That's not terribly fun for me. Um, but I have to kind of reset myself all the time that in the end, this thing not only has to look like it did when it was a brand new car, but it also has to drive and it has to safely drive and it has to stop and it has to, you know, all those different requirements that I can't just like, I can't figure out how to make brakes work. Like brakes work because of how they're made and how they're, you know, so I got to do that thing. So I don't know. It's for me, because we, have the opportunity to do so many different things in our jobs. I have to constantly kind of reevaluate. Do I need to like, is the value here research in this particular instance, or is the value exploration? Because it's different all the time. It's different based on my mood and what the end goal is. And so it, I think when I was mentioning earlier that the, the audience sometimes doesn't uh, that can be frustrating for the audience. I totally understand that because from their perspective, they may be looking for research. They may be looking for how to do the paint correctly in this video about this prop. And that's not necessarily what I'm going for. Hopefully they get that. But, you know, we are creating content to kind of further some thing for us. And that may not necessarily be what they're looking for. So I get that. Um, but anyway, I just have to gauge what the important thing is for me at any given moment. And I would hope other people would do that as well and not feel like they always have to research or they always have to fly by the seat of their pants because nothing's good all the time. Yeah, but I, I encourage people to be a little bit more loosey-goosey with certain things. Obviously, you really got to be pay closer attention to other things. But when it comes to jumping in, I also find uh, when you people over-research, I have a couple friends that over-research, and they try and do exactly the same result, and they're not getting the same result. They're like, I'm doing every single thing I read about in the chat rooms, and I'm not getting the same result. And it becomes frustrating because you might be reading about somebody that has lots of experience, and there's one subtle thing you're leaving out. And I'm just very broad, but I'm like, for instance, it's like some very mechanical stuff like laser etching or laser cutting. and But... I would tend to just experiment. I wouldn't read anything. I would just keep experimenting, and, and I would always go with extremes. I'd set all my dials one direction, try that, try them all in the other direction, and then slowly bring them back towards the middle and see what type of different results I get. That's how I tend to work, where other people will go right to the Internet, look for the exact specifications. Like me and Taylor differ in that way. Whenever she cuts leather, she immediately starts researching. What should I go just cut a little triangle in the corner, cut a square or a circle out of the corner edge, and then do a couple tests. She immediately goes to the internet, looks up. She's like, okay, 30% at 85% power is exactly what this type of veg tan is supposed to be cut at. I'm like, okay. And then she'll cut one, and she's like, it didn't work. I'm like, I know, because everything is so subtly different every single time. 
You know, something I thought of in regard to that, I don't mean to interrupt you, but also repeatability has a lot to do with this. In that particular case, if you're going to be cutting like a lot of leather, you want to do the research to figure out how to do it so that you don't waste time and so that you can be more productive. But if you have to do something once, you can waste more time researching than just like experimenting on the fly. And so that kind of repeatability has a lot to do with in that particular situation or material handling or something. Yeah, that makes sense. A lot of times I find myself avoiding going on the internet because what will happen to me, and I guess there's a set of initials for this, I will go look up the laser cutting specifications and then I'll be like, oh, that's an interesting laser. And then I'll Google a video on that. And then I'll get suggested (laughs) a video about some guy that made a catamaran out of cans. And then I'm watching that. And then I'm like, how was a can made? And then I'm Googling how a can is made. (laughs) And I'm like, what is the flotation quotient of aluminum? And then all of a sudden I'm looking up why aluminum floats and versus why aluminum doesn't. That's how, that's what happens to me. So yeah. I basically stay out of the lion's cage because I don't want to just get sucked into a, another three hours sit down of scrolling. There's never really three hours of sit down, but there could be a good solid 15 minutes of me like, and now all of a sudden I'm trying to buy a catamaran on Facebook market that I could <laughs> modify for a video. And that's what happens to me. So that's why a lot of times I just don't, I just don't look. I'm like, let me just figure this out. I'm here now. And I always have this play this little game like the floor is lava. I play this little game of like, okay, if it's just me and this machine and nothing else existed and the world just nuclear disaster and it's only me and electric still works for this laser cutter, how can I make this work? It's kind of a – like I do this MacGyver scenario all the time. Partly it's a little protection racket. It's partly a little game I play with myself. But mostly it's just the fear of having to dig for the answer because partly I'm lazy Partly, I don't want to be distracted because of my initials, whatever that disease is. And, yeah. I had an interesting uh, ex- round of experiments a couple weeks ago. I'm working on a video that's not even coming out for a couple months because it's a simple video, but because of weird sponsor things, they need the video now. And uh, basically, they're coasters. And I was doing this little acrylic pour in the middle of these coasters. And then you would take a, a flame and you would get these, what? artists call cells like little little bubbles that come up and you can get like this weird snakeskin type effect and i thought it'd be easy i'm like oh i here's the here's the things that i need i'll do it and totally didn't work and then i'm like oh got the wrong got the wrong acrylic i got porn acrylic i should use regular and then in another round of experiments and i still was not getting what i wanted and so then I had to go and I watched a ton of videos and I was doing all this research and the research did pay off. But I think what is going to make this video interesting is what I thought was going to be super easy and it was only going to take me a few minutes to do. I spent an entire night just experimenting with different formulas. And and uh, the cool thing in this video is I'm making four four coasters, but I had to make I probably made 20 of them to get to the goal that I needed to get. And it was kind of a fun experiment. I have all these like little, I cut out a bunch of fake coasters on the laser to do, to do all my experiments. And now I have all these, like they're not coasters, but I guess they could be uh, of, of, of these experiments. So it was, it was a fun process of failing a bunch of times and learning what the different formulas do and also a combination of research and figuring out the right way to do it. But for a long time, I was not getting the results that I was seeing on video. And I had that frustration moment that I know 
some of my viewers will say, well, I'm doing the same finish as you. Why am I not getting the, that result? And I'm like, I don't know. It just works for me. And I've, I was on the other side of the line this time. I was like, I'm not getting the results these other YouTubers are getting. What is going on? So uh, sometimes, I don't know why this is, but sometimes it just works. After a while, it like what, 3D printing is this, this weird thing for me. So many failures at the beginning. I don't know why. And now all of a sudden it just works. I don't know what happened there. You, I gain That's funny. It's like it's like the system wants to, you know, the unseen system, the yeah. universe, whatever. They want to make sure you develop some experience. I guess so. You get some, right? <laughs> you get some results. Yeah. So you begin to fail, 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 and then suddenly you're not doing you seemingly not doing anything different, and then it works. Yeah. But now you have experience. Yeah. Cool. Well, any other thoughts on this? I'd say don't do research and don't buy a catamaran. <laughs> <laughs> that, that story was just specific enough that I'm pretty sure that actually happened last night. Right, right. No, I, I, I would never buy a boat, but I'm always – it all leads back to me looking at old antique cars, no matter what. If I go to look for a laser power cutter for a certain type of leather and then all of a sudden I'm on Facebook market looking at convertibles and antique trucks, that's old, <laughs> all that ever happens. But I think what Bob said is what value do you want? Like when I was doing the, the pizza table and the piano. There was no, uh, there was no plan. It was just like work as we go, and it took a long time. But the value of that was just experimenting and seeing what I can come up with. Now the next project, there's an end goal, and also there's uh, I I don't want to spend a lot of time. I don't want to spend a lot of money. So I'm going to over plan, and I'm going to know every single step. And the value out of me is I need a shoe rack. So I'm just going to build a shoe rack and not experiment. And then the next project, I probably go back to designing on the fly it's it's all about that value what are you trying to get out of it yeah yep i totally agree cool well um i guess i'll thank our patreon supporters then because they're awesome uh and i've got actually some i had a a lot of frustration yesterday on the secret thing that i've talked about several times on the after show so i'm going to tell you some more very it was a very frustrating time so the after show will be full of frustration. Not, not really. Not only that, but I, I do want to explain something. Um, but the after show is available to everybody who supports us on Patreon, no matter the level. So if you want to hear my frustration and other secret stuff, you can go to patreon.com slash making it and help us out. We've got a bunch of people over there uh, that help us at all different levels. And our top supporters are Gretchen Hofer, Michael Manejan, Warren Works, Scott Orham, Full Steam Designs, Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Lowen Designs, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, You Can Make This Too, Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, and Corey Ward. There's a bunch of other people like Randy Watson over there who thank you, everybody. help us out. Thank you, thank you. And we are very grateful for all of them. So if you want to go help us out, go do that. Or just leave us a review. That's helpful as well. But you won't get the after show if you just leave us a review. So, you know, there's that. You guys got anything cool to recommend? I was scrambling right before we hit record. I found a cool channel, and it's a. It's sometimes it's it's slightly cringy, but it's really fun to watch. It's just kind of like potato chips kind of viewing. <laughs> Means it's it's like it's it's not. It's it's just feel good stuff, and it's uh. Hold on, let me make sure I say his name correctly. Guitaro five thousand. You guys follow him? Have you heard of him? No. Nope. 
Guitaro 5000. It's a guy in New York that plays guitar and sets up a microphone and a couple of cameras. And then he invites people to sing with him. Talk strangers. You see a lot of failures. He shows all the failures of people that he can't convince to sing with him. I have seen this guy. Yep. He's great. And all of his videos are really good. He just pulls people in off the street and says, hey, you want to sing a song with me? And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are like, nah. And then he, and he goes, when they go, nah. He's like, come on, come on. He can pull it out of them. And then suddenly they're singing some traditional song from their home country or they're just singing a song they like. Some, some cases it's songs that people actually wrote. It's pretty amazing. Wow. Pretty amazing. So it's just funny to see people. And, and he always says, they go like, why? Like, why? He goes, just so you feel good. After you're done, you'll feel good. That's all, that's all he says. It's crazy. Hmm. It's not for money. He doesn't look for money. He doesn't. He just does it just to catch these magical moments on camera. Cool. Mine is it's kind of a big one, but I did not know about it until recently. I've, uh, I've gone on some tangents after seeing some of the James Webb Telescope space images. I've been really into how small we are and how big the universe is and mm. and uh, it's yeah. it, it it's really one of those things that just scrambles my brain uh there's a channel called astrum and they've got like 1.4 million subscribers but it's um this person or this team extremely smart because they're really really detailed videos and they go over uh different uh, these different these different satellite telescope camera things he uh gives a great analysis of the photos that it takes and what you see on this particular planet or this body of whatever it's it's fascinating and i'll just put them on and it's, sometimes it's it's background videos for me and every once in a while i'm just like wait what what how, how do we even know this like what what's pluto made of how do we know what pluto is made of that blows my mind that's something so far away. Pluto's made out of Plato. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Astrum. Cool. Um, I got a couple here for today. I'm trying to get my links in. Um, so I was looking for new music. So I don't know. I'm sure I've said this before, but I'm pretty picky about what I listen to. And so occasionally I'll just be like, really frustrated that I haven't found anything new to listen to in a while. And I'll go find something. And if I hear one song then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go all the way down that rabbit hole, listen to everything they've ever made to see if, if it's like hits me in the right spot. So I found this band called rain wolf and, uh, I don't know anything about them. This was yesterday. And so I can't speak to them at all, but the last full album they put out was in 2019. They're actually going to play in Louisville in like two months. Um, so I might go see him, but anyway, it's really good. Really. Uh, it's just rock, but the dude's voice is like, he is a really good singer through a bucket of gravel. So it's like <laughs> real rough, but he's, it's cool. Um, and then through that, I found another band called the parlor mob, which is, I've only heard a little bit of, and they're pretty good. Not quite as good, but pretty good. So a couple new music recommendations, but the thing that I started watching is on Disney Plus, and it's called Light and Magic. And I'm only one episode in, but it's a like a six-part documentary series about uh, industrial light and magic. And so it, the first episode talks a lot about Star Wars and how ILM came to be as a way for them to make the effects that they needed to make. And they, you know, 
they built their own motion control systems. They took apart cameras and rebuilt specific cameras that they needed to build. And they were, it was a group of people who didn't really do that, all of the stuff that they needed to do, but they were just creative people. And they all got put in a warehouse without supervision for a couple of months and basically just like built an effects company. It's pretty wild to see. And so I'm really anxious to see the other ones because it shows how ILM evolves over time and becomes you know, what ILM is now, which is just like the best effects in the entire world. So it's a really cool series. It's a documentary. So it's, uh, you know, lots of talking, but it's really well put together. Lots of archive footage and stuff. So pretty cool. Go check those out. You guys got anything else? And that's it. Did you guys know, Bob, you know, I visited ILM once in San Francisco. Really? When I was at the liquor business in San Francisco, we did a show, and a friend of a friend, like a college buddy of somebody on my team, worked at ILM, and he gave us a tour of the whole place. It was pretty incredible. Hmm. You walk up, and Yoda's in a, it's like a bronze Yoda right at the front door. Oh, yeah. I've been in that lobby. That's as far as yeah. they let me go. <laughs> yeah, and we walked right in, and <clears throat> uh, there was posters of all famous movies in foreign languages all around the whole place. It's kind of like a little ongoing gimmick. So there's like The Godfather written in like, you know, Japanese or whatever. There's all kinds of famous movies in foreign language posters is one thing I remembered. And then as you walk around in all the various little sections, there's all these key models under in cases. So you'll see like a small model of something from Star Wars and just a little glass showcase. Really cool. Really beautiful spot. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be in the Bay Area, so, you know, if anybody <laughs> listening works at ILM or Lucasfilm and wants to, like, you know, show off something that they're really proud of, let me know, because <laughs> I'll be there. Um, you Wait, like, you else? need more to do while you're while you're there. Well, I, no, but I could probably rearrange okay. the schedule a little bit. Okay. I could, you know. I you could always make room to visit ILM. I'm we sure. were actually planning on staying a couple of days after into the next week. This originally was supposed to be like an 11, 10 or 11 day trip. And some of the stuff we were planning on doing after the con fell through. So if I needed to, mm. I could extend the trip to go see ILM okay. or Lucasfilm or something else. Awesome. So, you know, just don't, don't dismiss it. If you happen to work at one of those places, I'm giving you every opportunity <laughs> to know that I would love to go check it out. <laughs> anyway, cool. All right, well, uh, I guess that's it for this show. So thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you. we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you, thank you. Two weeks. Oh, I'm going to go. I'm not going to sleep next Tuesday night. Thank you. Mm. You going to tell them that you love them? I do love them, and I love the fact that I won't have to sleep next Tuesday night. <laughs> okay.